I'm going to invite you to open God's holy word to uh, uh, the book of uh, Philippians. There's a letter of Paul to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and, and I will read for you uh, verses 1 through uh, 16. Philippians 2, 1 through 16. This letter that was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in uh, prison in Rome, and uh, he heard uh, some news, uh, perhaps through a messenger that is mentioned here in chapter 2 later on, Epaphroditus. Uh, the messenger and also the the one who came to bring a gift uh, for the Apostle Paul as he was in great uh, need and he also needed encouragement uh, while being in prison. Can you imagine being in prison uh, not knowing if you are going to live or die and being chained, uh, uh, deprived of uh, freedom to uh, preach the gospel, which was what the, the Apostle Paul wanted to do. Uh, and he was uh, deprived of freedom to move around in the city of uh, Rome, and to proclaim the good news. And um, he was chained to a Roman soldier 24-7. Uh, what a blessing for that Roman soldier to have the Apostle Paul chained to him. Uh, but uh, uh, this is uh, kind of the, a little bit of the context of uh, where this letter is coming from. And so the Apostle Paul is encouraging this congregation that he loves and uh, that he cares for. Let us listen to the word of the Lord. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. This look like questions, but there are really affirmations. There is a, a consolation, there is comfort, there is fellowship of the Spirit and affection and mercy. In verse 2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the, in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And now our sermon text for this morning in verse 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, notice in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and, har and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, 
or labored in vain. May the Lord add his blessings uh, to his word. Let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we um, come before you once more asking for uh, your blessing, Lord, uh, not only in the hear- on the hearing of your word, but also on the preaching of it. Uh, we pray, O oh Lord, that uh, you, um, by your grace, uh, may communicate to us uh, your truth and, and uh, your will for us uh, from this text, O oh Lord. And uh, help us uh, in the power of the Spirit. We know that we need your help uh, to um, uh, understand the, 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 the scriptures and that the scriptures are, are spiritually discerned. And so help us, O Lord, to, uh, to have uh, uh, the help of your Spirit, O Lord, and help me also to deliver uh, your word, um, to uh, honor it and to uh, uh, glorify you uh, in it. And so we pray, Father, uh, all these things in your holy name. Amen. As Apostle Paul writes to uh, the Philippians um, uh, in verses 12 and 13, uh, and I'm going to read them again. Uh, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. As we come to this text, uh, for many of you, this, te- this text uh, is in, the, in, in your hearts already. It's a text that you perhaps have uh, committed to memory. Uh, you don't even have to look down uh, the pages of Scripture to uh, see what it says about this text, but you know it. And, uh, uh, and uh, that's a great blessing. But as we, uh, as we grow uh, and uh, we uh, um, make progress in, in uh, our walk with Christ as believers, it is uh, at times uh, uh, needed to have a reminder a reminder of uh, what is the goal of our salvation. Sometimes we are just so busy and so uh, uh, our, our minds are so cluttered with so many things uh, from the world. And uh, uh, we spend time uh, reading uh, even good things. Uh, and uh, we, lose, uh, we lose track of uh, what the goal is for our salvation. Um, and the answer uh, that the Apostle Paul gives to us is actually found in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, verse 3, where he tells us that this is the will of God for you, is your sanctification. And so the will of God for us is our is Christ-likeness, is to be uh, transforming the likeness of our Savior. That's why the Lord has saved us. And uh, at times we, uh, we uh, memorize Scripture and we recite, like for instance, uh, Romans 8, 8, uh, chapter, thir- uh, chapter 8, verse 30, in, uh, where the Apostle Paul gives to us a little bit of the uh, what is called the order of salvation. Uh, what begins, uh, uh, what is at the beginning, you know, uh, is it the chicken or the egg? Uh, speaking of uh, salvation here, the Apostle Paul gives a little bit of a uh, description. He tells us, moreover, whom he predestined, he also called, and whom he called, uh, he also justified. And uh, sadly, uh, uh, many times we stop there. We stop in justification. And uh, even uh, uh, as uh, believers who have been perhaps uh, uh, in Christ for decades, um, we speak in past tense uh, many times. Uh, perhaps you ask a person uh, the question, when were you saved? And uh, it's every, everything is past tense. And, um, uh, but the Apostle Paul wants for us to remember here that uh, the, this is a, an ongoing process uh, 
the, the process of sanctification, our growth in Christ is something that is uh, an ongoing uh, thing that is taking place in us as the Lord continues to mold us and, uh, uh, and to transform us into his likeness. Uh, the, I like what Richard Gaffin, uh, he's a former professor of Westminster in, in uh, Philadelphia. He says, the work of Christ involves not just our justification, which is Christ for us. In other words, giving us a right standing before God in Christ, but also our sanctification, which is Christ in me molding and growing us into his likeness. And so Paul has described, if, uh, uh, if you were, uh, were paying attention at the reading of chapter 2, uh, you realize that the Apostle Paul is, uh, is uh, describing this beautiful relationship or marriage that exists um, on Christ's work and our responsibility. First of all, he describes in uh, verses uh, uh, here, uh, verse 8, I think it is, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death and even death of the cross. And so the, the Apostle Paul creates uh, this uh, um, uh, beautiful description here in, in this text, um, what the Christian life is about. Uh, on the first uh, part, uh, we are relying on the work of Christ, on his finished work, uh, the, the Lord who humbled himself even and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so Christ, because he is our Savior, he is also our model or our example, and not the other way around. Um, and so he, as this connection uh, comes to our minds, uh, we see that humility and obedience uh, have a, a great connection with the work of Christ. As we believe in him, we live a life of obedience because Christ also obeyed um, faithfully to the Father. And... Um, as we are in union with Christ, dear loved ones, then obedience to the Father is the mindset. It should be the 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 uh, uh, the reason why we live. We should live uh, to to love Him and to keep His commands. Um, it should be our mindset. Uh, and also, uh, as we look at um, the purpose and the sign of our existence, we exist to glorify Him. And as we were looking at verse uh, uh, question and answer uh, two of the shorter catechism, uh, he gave, the the catechism gives us uh, the right description of what our life is all about, and uh, how we can know that is through the Word of God. And and um, and so this morning uh, we see the the effect of the finished work of Christ is that we must work out by God's grace what He is working already within us. And so we'll consider two things from uh, uh, verse 12. Uh, um, we'll we'll uh, embrace also verse 13, but uh, particularly verse 12. Uh, first, we'll see the necessity of obedience as part of our sanctification, the necessity of obedience. And secondly, the requirement to work as part of our sanctification. So the necessity of obedience and re the requirement to work as part of sanctification. Let us notice first the... Necessity of obedience as part of our sanctification. Notice verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Notice how the, the, the Apostle Paul begins, begins with the disconnecting word, therefore. In some translations, they, they, they write, so then. Uh, but this connecting word is important when you see a, 
um, the word therefore, then you need to ask the question, why, why is it therefore, right? Um, so this is the connection between the, the indicative and the imperative. What is the indicative? The indicative is what Christ has done and the imperative, what is our responsibility before the Lord, what we must do. And so here's the therefore reminding us, reminding us of the indicative in verses 6 through 11. Therefore, because of the basis of what God has done, this great salvation that the Lord has accomplished and applied in our lives by the power of the Spirit, um, the Lord, the one who came down from heaven, the heavenly man, he has died in our place, he suffered for us on our behalf, and he has been raised for our justification. He's sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And so in light of what he has done, uh, the Lord has given to us an imperative, the responsibility of how we must live in light of what uh, the Lord has given to us, this great salvation. And notice that this, uh, this also, uh, uh, therefore, uh, is um, followed by a, a, a word of, uh, of endearment. There's uh, obedience and affection uh, connected here. Paul shows beautifully here that there's no contradiction between obedience and love. In fact, he writes using a term of, a, uh, of love and endearment for them, calling them beloved, my beloved, uh, or my loved ones, my dear ones. And this is typical of the Apostle Paul in this letter. As, uh, as He opens uh, the letter and um, he gives to us um, the, a description of his relationship with this congregation. In, in chapter 1, verse 7, if you, uh, if you see uh, in verse 7, uh, he tells the believers there, I have you in my heart. You guys are in my heart. And then in verse 8, For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And you see that this is uh, uh, the Apostle Paul talking to people that he loves. He loves this congregation. And he cares for them like a father. He speaks to them with fatherly love. And so the, their spiritual uh, condition really matters to, to the Apostle Paul. That's why he's uh, penning this, this letter. And so uh, it shows to us that obedience is um, part of, uh, of, uh, of, of, our, um, of our duty. Uh, it should be a part of uh, what we do with diligence. And this is what we observed in, also in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, where his perfect obedience also flows out of his love for the Father. Notice here in, in verse 12, as the Apostle Paul continues, he tells us that obedience also is uh, the ongoing endeavor of our lives. You see, and, and therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Notice here that the, this is what obedience is, something that the church has been doing already. They've been already obeying the Lord. And they have made progress in the faith. As uh, you see in, in chapter 1, verse 5, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, is grateful for their fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So they have made progress in the faith. And um, so what is the, the point of, uh, of the Apostle Paul here? Why is he writing uh, these words of encouragement for the congregation? And the point is that obedience in the Christian life should never be an afterthought for us. Many of us who have uh, little children uh, or have little children, uh, 
and now perhaps our uh, grandparents um, know how beautiful the stage is when they're little. You know, it's like we have uh, four little ones that are growing quickly, but uh, but you love when they're little because uh, you you hold them in your arms, you hug them, you uh, talk to them, you hear their baby talk. And um, it's just a beautiful stage of life. It's a, it's a very uh, special time and in, um, in, uh, in place in our lives. Uh, but at the same time, uh, even though uh, uh, sometimes I, I, I tell Sarah, I, I would like for them to stay like this because uh, it's, just a, so it's such, a, such a beautiful time, you know, in a stage in our lives. But at the same time, you, you want for them to mature. You want for them to grow. You want for them to become a little more independent and to be able to... Uh, uh, grow and know how to do things, how to do chores around the house, how to eat, how to read, how to walk uh, um, uh, at first, and um, and so on. And and um, because we want for them to uh, be able to uh, glorify the Lord, and even how they grow and how they make progress in their development as as children. And so, in, in a sense, it's the same with the, with a child of God. Um, we pray for the Lord to help us grow in knowledge of the grace uh, of Christ Jesus and to we pray for the Spirit to help us uh, to mature um, in obedience uh, to our Father. And so we are encouraged to see the growth in our lives when we see, wow, uh, the Lord is, is truly being gracious to me and uh, uh, He's working in my life and uh, we give the glory to Him. And we are also encouraged by the growth of other believers I'm sure you probably have uh, some friends or family members or uh, 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 church members in the past or present that you have seen how they come to faith and then how quickly the Lord starts working in them and they make progress in the faith. And that is very encouraging to see. And so as the Apostle Paul writes uh, to the believers here, he tells them with a, a sense of encouragement uh, in verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, um, and here the question is, as we uh, uh, are talking about obedience, uh, perhaps you are wondering, what is obedience? You know, I want to know what obedience really means in the Christian walk, in the Christian life. And um, uh, Wilhelmus Abrakel is a, is a Dutch uh, theologian, and he provides a, a really great and simple definition of what obedience is. No, uh, notice what he tells us. Obedience is the willing subjection of God's child to God as Lord and Father in Christ in order to comply with His commands. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's very simple. In obedience is the willing subjection of God's child to God as Lord and Father in Christ in order to comply with His commands. In other words, true faith produces obedience. True faith produces obedience. And obedience is the demonstration, it's a sign of life, it's a sign of new life in Christ, where you put off the, the old man and you uh, put on, uh, using the language of Paul, right? Uh, put off and put on. Uh, you put off the old man. Um, you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so uh, we live this life hating sin, you know, trying to get rid of the, of the old man that wants so badly come back to us. And uh, so we live uh, uh, putting off uh, the, the old man, fighting sin, you know, killing sin, walking with full purpose of and endeavor after this new obedience. 
And so um, that's why Paul tells uh, the believers here in Philippi and also the, the Corinthian believers to uh, uh, join him in imitating him because uh, he is an imitator of Christ. And um, if you notice here in chapter 3, verse 17, he provides one of those uh, verses that helps us uh, uh, to see that um, uh, we see at times uh, the example of other believers who are um, more mature in the faith and uh, it's, a, uh, it's an encouragement for our hearts and Notice in verse 17, Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk as you have for us, as, as you have us for a pattern. And so, um, follow Paul, he says, uh, follow me, he says, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, and also follow those who walk according to this example. Um, and so, our, the, the problem is, uh, as we're talking about obedience, you know, there's a problem here. And the problem is our culture. Uh, if you notice, uh, our culture despises the word obedience. It's almost like a like a a, a, a word that you shouldn't uh, ever mention anywhere in this world. Um, uh, people in, in in our time they they are allergic to to obedience, uh, allergic to the concept and the and the word obedience, especially gospel obedience, even. Uh, in evangelical, broad evangelical circles, we have seen that this has, the world has made inroads and has brought um, uh, infiltrated some uh, ideas uh, that obedience is, uh, is something that is dreadful, that is a chore, that is something burdensome for believers. Um, and uh, so, but we need to remember that the Lord saved us when we were sons of disobedience, and to be what to be obedient children. Remember the words of the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 1? Uh, and so, as imitators of Christ, who was obedient to the Father, we have the, the, the prime example of uh, obedience in the Lord. Uh, the, the, the one who was obedient even to the point of death, even death on the cross, as we have seen in, in chapter 2. And so the Lord makes us, when He saves us, He also makes us willing and able to obey. This is why Peter writes also... Uh, in uh, his uh, first letter, in the opening verses, he says to us, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit. For what? For obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we must be obedient uh, to the Lord because that's the reason why he has saved us. And we must be obedient to what? That's the next question. Well, we must be obedient to his will, his revealed will to his word, to his commandments. They must be a delight in our lives. They must be a joy for us to um, obey what the Lord commands for um, our lives. It is what the Lord Jesus actually came to do. If you notice uh, the words of uh, Jesus Christ himself, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. It's that your uh, attitude in your Christian walk is to do the will of of your Father, according to what He has revealed to us in His Word. But note, notice that um, the Apostle Paul continues in uh, this exhortation to the to to our church, and first of all to the Philippians, but also by extension to us. And uh, notice that there's an ongoing endeavor here. There's an ongoing endeavor, and the question now is: uh, When do I have to obey? We saw already. Uh, 
uh, what obedience is and um, uh, that obedience is required. But the the question is now, when do I have to obey? And uh, the Apostle Paul uh, gives to us here uh, the description and the the, uh, answer to that. Notice in in verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Notice that Paul speaks here again. He continues to uh, encourage this uh, congregation. And, um, and, and he explains that we must obey at all times. This is an all-comprehensive obedience. And uh, it's anytime and anywhere. And this is what we tell our children, right? When we... Uh, uh, when we drop him off somewhere, we take him somewhere, uh, whether that is uh, uh, to some activity or to grandma's house or to grandpa's house or uh, uh, to a friend's house. Uh, we drop him off and we tell him, I want for you to be obedient to uh, the adults, uh, to your grandparents or uh, to the teacher or um, and so on. And uh, when I when I get back and uh, when I come back to pick you up, I want to hear a good report from you. And so uh, that's what we tell the, our little ones. Um, and so uh, I want for you to obey even if I'm not here. Um, so as the Apostle Paul tells us here, much more in my absence. And so the Apostle Paul tells uh, the congregation here, I want for you to live lives of obedience even if I'm not here. Even if I'm in Rome, even if I'm somewhere else, or even if I'm, if I'm with the Lord. I want for you to obey because you are not doing this for me. Obedience is not for me, the Apostle Paul is saying. You're you're doing this unto the Lord. But if you're honest uh, with yourself um, uh, and also with the Lord, most of us uh, will be very faithful uh, and very concerned about our personal obedience to the Lord and our personal godliness and our personal piety, uh, our prayer life, our uh, our hospitality, on how we talk, how we think, uh, uh, what we watch, and our dedication to family worship. If we had the Apostle Paul 24-7 next to us, right? And so, um, sadly, many Christians, uh, when you see how they live and how they act, they act differently uh, in the world than when they are surrounded by believers. But we need to live in a manner that is consistent, no matter where we are, and no matter, no matter who is around us. And the question is, how do you talk at work? How do you behave at work? How do you, what kind of conversations uh, uh, do you participate in when uh, you are in the break room at work with unbelievers and they're talking about something that is not profitable? When they're talking uh, bad about somebody, when they're um, making some crude jokes, do you uh, also work unto the Lord when your boss is not around? <coughs> and boys and girls, uh, do you are you obedient to, to your parents even when you don't see them, when you're in the, not in the same room with them, when you're with your friends? Do you obey your parents in the Lord? Is your desire to honor them? See, we uh, um, live a life of faithful obedience unto the Lord. We are not obedient and faithful in our obedience for our pastor or for elders or for uh, uh, other Christians or for our spouse or for our children. We do this to glorify the Lord. 
so there's a saying that says like uh, when the cat's away the mice will play right but that shouldn't be the case in the christian life but um that will be uh, as Calvin, Calvin like I'm gonna blame John Calvin. He, 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 in his commentaries, he likes to talk about the the hypocrites, you know, and um, um, he says that many times we're hypocrites uh, because we know that the Lord cannot be deceived. And if we're living a life of disobedience, then the right response of a Christian is to run uh, in repentance and sorrow with a contrite heart to the Lord uh, for our sin for. Our disobedience. So um, uh, the life in Christ uh, requires a life that is uh, always obeying. But notice also, secondly, let us look at the necessity of our obedience and also at the, uh, the command or the requirement to work as part of our sanctification. Notice, uh, secondly, here in verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So the first thing that we need to notice here is that um, Paul is not using the term salvation, as we just read in this verse, verse 12, as um, normally as we think with a more narrow sense. Uh, sometimes we are a little bit redu- reductionistic. You know, uh, we'll uh, think about a more narrow uh, way of uh, salvation or the term itself. But... Um, uh, that's why we uh, we talk about in, in in past tense, as we were saying earlier. Uh, but uh, here, salvation, what Paul is talking about, involves the whole package. You know, when you go and buy something, they give you, yeah, this involves like uh, the the cruise and that you're paying for includes everything. It's all inclusive. And um, here, the Apostle Paul is uh, including everything, uh, past, present, and future in this word salvation. The first of all, we were saved meaning that we were justified, that we were declared righteous before God because of Christ. And secondly, that uh, we are being saved, which is the present tense, that, which means uh, sanctification, that Christ is being formed in each one of his children. And thirdly, that we will be saved. That is uh, glorification, looking at uh, the future, uh, that we will be in glory with the Lord and saved from the presence and the power of sin in our lives. And so Paul here is not talking about justification. Uh, he's talking about sanctification. And how do we know this? Well, uh, if, you, if you notice how he refers to the believers, first of all, he, uh, he calls them in this verse, beloved. You don't see Paul talking about unbelievers and referring to them as uh, beloved. And secondly, when you open uh, the letter in chapter 1, verse 1, he's talking about to all the saints who are in Philippi. Then uh, in the following verses, the one who, um, in whom the Lord uh, uh, has provided this fellowship in the gospel, and those who, uh, uh, in whom the Lord has begun the good work. And then at the end of chapter 1, if you notice here, the Apostle Paul is talking about uh, those who were granted or uh, given the gift uh, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him. And so we see that the Apostle Paul is talking to Christians, and so uh, he's talking and encouraging them in their sanctification. Um, justification is also just a one-time thing. It's an act. Just an adoption is an act of God. But sanctification is the work of God. That's uh, actually the language of our catechism. And so uh, that is very helpful uh, to remember that this is the work of God. The Lord's working in us. We are a work on progress. 
um, until the day that we go to be with the Lord. So uh, <clears throat> this is the people that have a new heart. We all have given a new heart. We have been saved. We have the law written in our hearts and uh, we are ready and equipped to walk after this newness of life. And so this is sanctification. This is sanctification. This is uh, uh, the process in which we all find ourselves in this morning. And so we are called uh, to work what God is already working within us. And this is what the Apostle Paul has in mind here as he tells us, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And notice here um, in verse 12, this is an active uh, 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 pursuit of holiness. The Lord is so gracious and so good that he allows for us to be participants of this process of, uh, of sanctification. Uh, and he teaches us uh, by his word and by his spirit uh, how we must live. And so we are actively involved in it and we're actively also bearing fruit uh, as, as uh, children of God. And so this goes, uh, in a sense, against um, many critics of, the, uh, of, the, of our faith as uh, Reformed and Presbyterians. Um, uh, saying that many people say, well, you guys believe in the sovereignty of God. So it's all of God. So we have no role to play here. And so um, we're mere spectators. Uh, but this is, this is nothing that, but uh, something that is far from, from the truth. It's, a, it's a, just a caricature of a biblical faith. Um, in fact, I, I love what, to, uh, what the canons of Dort say about the effects of uh, regeneration in our lives. If you are familiar with the canons of Dort, uh, they were documents to protect uh, the, the Reformation and, uh, and biblical faith, biblical Christianity, um, and a biblical view of salvation that took, took place in the 1600s in, in the Netherlands. Um, and believers from all over, uh, they came to uh, defend the faith. But this is what they say in, uh, in um, the third and fourth uh, uh, heads of doctrine in Article 16. Um, they kind of say... So also this divine grace of regeneration does not act in people as if they were blocks and stones. It's interesting because they're saying, yeah, God doesn't act in us as if we were blocks and stones. But notice what it says here. It says, nor does it abolish the will and its properties or coerce a reluctant will by force. So in other words, the Lord doesn't, doesn't bring anybody but, uh, to the kingdom uh, kicking and screaming. We'll come uh, with our own wills. Uh, but, it says uh, here, but spiritually revives, heals, reforms in a manner at once pleasing and powerful, bends it back. So the Lord bends our wills back. Um, and as a result, a ready and sincere obedience of the Spirit now begins to prevail where before the rebellion and resistance of the flesh were completely dominant in our lives. It's beautiful, isn't it? We are not brought into the kingdom by force, uh, but willingly. And uh, the Lord uh, doesn't consider us as, uh, as mere puppets, you know, who uh, are just kind of handled by the master of puppets. Uh, but uh, the Lord uh, works in our wills, transforming us and uh, make us both willing and able. Uh, and this also goes against the idea of passivity. If, uh, many people in our day, you see the bumper stickers that will say, let go and let God. You know, we have no role to play in our salvation, so we might as well just turn, our, turn on our cruise control and uh, keep driving in the Christian life. Uh, keep cruising. But um, 
this is a, a reminder that the Lord uh, has a place for us and we have a responsibility in our salvation and in, in our sanctification. But sanctification deals with the, with, uh, uh, more specifically, more specifically with dying to sin, dying to sin, killing sin and living unto righteousness, which is a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. It's a battle that takes place daily in our lives as we uh, die to the old man, put off the old man, die to sin and live uh, unto God, unto righteousness. And so, you, dear loved ones, you will not have the victory against uh, our sin, against the world, against the devil, uh, unless you embrace the battle and make this battle a reality in your life. Um, for that, you must grow, first of all, in your love for God. Because if you love, if you love the Lord and you know what the Lord loves, then, um, you, you will want to do His will. You will want to please Him. You will want to, um, glorify the Lord. And so, uh, you must grow in your desire and effort to put sin to death. And, uh, but you know that this is a process. This has, doesn't happen from one day to the next. If that is our expectation, then we're going to be greatly disappointed. Um, but this is a killing sin is like a weeds that grow in our lawn, right? Uh, I don't know, uh, many of you, uh, uh, who have a, a house and, and are watering the lawn all of a sudden you look like a, some crab grass or some kind of strange weed that pops up in the front or in the backyard. And, um, that uh, drives me crazy, <laughs> just to be honest. Uh, I've been uh, trying to uh, grow some new grass in the in the house and in the lawn, and it's a it's a problem that I see every day. Uh, because uh, even though even I bought some tools to pull some weeds, uh, I see that uh, the old ones they come back, and, they, and then all of a sudden there are new ones that are coming in different places. So this is uh, we must keep at it twenty four seven. Um, and so I learned recently, uh, I've been watching videos online on how to uh, grow a better grass in your lawn. And so, uh, uh, I've been spending time, you know, this is kind of like one of those things uh, <laughs> I've been doing this summer. And, um, uh, I learned the secret to reduce a little bit the, the number of weeds and, uh, and, um, and how to pull them, you know, you, uh, to take care of your lawn, you must pull the, the weeds, you know, so the good grass may continue to grow. But you also have to feed the good grass so that it may grow thicker and healthier. Um, and it is the same with sin. Uh, sin is a weed that, that must be pulled up from the root. Soon. Soon. Don't, don't let it, uh, uh, don't entertain sin. Pluck it out, you know, before it grows. Um, we cannot allow it in our lives and uh, we cannot make room for the sin that so easily entangles us. Um, so we must, we must seek the Lord and seek His righteousness and, and ask for His help to, uh, to help us, uh, to flourish in every area of our lives. Uh, in your marriage, I'm sure most of you want to have a good marriage, uh, or, uh, you hope to have a good marriage. Uh, one day you, you desire to be good parents. You desire to have a better attitude, an attitude that glorifies the Lord and to have self Self-control in managing your feelings, your emotions, your thinking, uh, your thought process in every area of life and every situation. Also, how to handle your resources, how to uh, glorify the Lord with your spending and uh, also your devotion and how you obey the Lord and obey His His law. And so, um, 
You need to be heavenly minded. That's why the Apostle Paul reminds us to set our minds on the things from above. And, um, and when you do that, your grass will grow. Your grass will grow and your weeds will stop taking over your yard. Um, but notice that uh, the Apostle Paul reminds us here in, in verse 12, uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And the Apostle Paul tells us, work out your own salvation. Don't work out some, somebody else's salvation, right? That's what uh, many people like to do. Uh, they like to tell others uh, what, uh, what's, uh, what they need to uh, improve. Uh, but the Apostle Paul tells us, no, this is your personal workout. As these verses uh, are telling us, work out your salvation. And this is something that no one else can do for you, right? It's like uh, trying to uh, get fit, you know, and, um, um, you know, uh, uh, being all muscular. Just watching videos of somebody doing that uh, doesn't help. And uh, much less when you watch videos, you know, eating Cheetos or drinking Coke, and that doesn't help you at all. Um, so uh, the Lord calls us here to uh, work out your own salvation. And it is the same to uh, pull the weeds up in your life, the, those weeds that are growing in, 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 the, in the lawn of your heart. Pull them up as uh, soon as possible. And notice that there's an attitude that we must have in this workout um, as we work out our salvation. Notice that this must be done in fear and trembling before the Lord. Notice at the end of verse 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And what the apostle is doing here, he's not trying to scare you. He's not trying to scare you as a child of God to obey out of compulsion or out of necessity because you have this fear. No, that's not what the apostle Paul is is telling us. He's telling us that if you are a child of God, you love God, and also God loves you. And because you love the Lord, uh, and we should love the Lord, and I'm, I'm sure you do, and you try with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, but we fail. But even though we are justified and adopted, we shouldn't live a life of fear, of damnation. See, we don't live our lives in sanctification, working out this salvation with fear and trembling out of fear of eternal damnation. Because we are already in union with Christ, who died in our place, who stood condemned in our place. But the fact that we are saved, that we are in Christ, that we are united to him, that Christ is for us, in Christ is in us, doesn't change the fact that God is God. Just think about it for a moment. Our salvation doesn't change the fact that God continues to be this consuming fire and that we must approach Him as He tells us to and that we must live in obedience to Him because He loves us, He wants the best for us, but we must live with reverence and awe. And so He... Here's the question. Do you obey the Lord out of fear of punishment? Or do you obey with gladness, with joy? Because you desire to honor the God who saved you by his grace. There's a huge different difference between one and the other. If you obey out of compulsion, out of fear of punishment, that will be a, a very uh, difficult life in Christ for you. 
But it, when you obey the Lord, knowing that He is a loving Father, that He loves you and that He cares for you, it makes a world of difference because you want to please Him. Just as children want to please and honor their parents. That's why the, uh, uh, Samuel told us uh, in chapter uh, 15 that the Lord prefers obedience over sacrifice. And we, uh, we tell our children all the time that uh, slow obedience is no obedience. And uh, partial obedience is no obedience at all. And so uh, this is what the Lord expects uh, uh, for us to obey with our hearts, uh, with willingness, because of, uh, and also in the power of the Spirit, because of we are, uh, the Lord is with us. And uh, that's what verse 13 is all about, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Um, and so one of the ways that helps us to obey the Lord with gladness uh, is uh, to know him. Is to, to know Him, read, read the Word, be in the Word, be in communion with God in prayer. Uh, this is one of the things that we neglect so much. And um, in, uh, even in my own life, uh, I, I've been uh, reading uh, recently in the last uh, couple of months uh, books on prayer because I find that uh, we, we lack as believers. Uh, I like personally uh, a life of a constant, uh, ongoing prayer and communion with the Lord as a as uh, as I should, and so um, uh, let us uh, let us devote our lives to the Word of God and to meditating His Word, and also to pray uh, to Him, to be in communion with Him. Uh, I was reading a, a, a story. I think it was uh, Thomas Manton, uh, one of the uh, English Puritans, and uh, he was saying that he went to buy a new house, and uh, he was greatly discouraged when he saw that the new house didn't didn't have a closet prayer. Because uh, he said, like, this is the downfall of my generation. So it's interesting how uh, communion with God is so important. And that's why the Lord tells us to pray without ceasing. And uh, the Lord even teaches us to pray. Um, so this is the, our duty, to fear God and to keep his commandments. This is the duty of the whole man. And so have the, having the mind of Christ takes effort. It is not easy. You must be intentional in your sanctification, in your walk with the Lord. And uh, remember that the Lord has given you the gospel of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given you a new heart and a new disposition and the power of the Spirit that dwells within you. And so the Lord tells us He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. And what is it but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Remember that the Lord humbled Himself Himself. And uh, because of that, we must humble ourselves. And because he obeyed, we must also obey. And so Christ-like obedience is needed for all of us to grow in holiness. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And the reason why the Lord commands us to live lives of obedience is because he loves us. He loves his children. And if you love the Lord, and I'm sure you do, you want to grow in obedience. And maybe of you uh, today are stagnant, have not made much progress. And, um, and you don't see any growth or very little growth in obedience and maturity because you have not made an active, intentional effort. But you must strive to present yourselves as instruments of righteousness. And the question is uh, how much we pray, as we were uh, talking a, a moment ago. Um, how much do we meditate in the Scriptures? Um, how much do we talk about the sermon uh, after the services and during the week? This is this is our main dish for the week. 
uh, we are recalibrated, our minds are kind of refocused here on, on the Lord's Day. And so uh, how much do we chew on, on God's word and how much do we talk about it with other believers um, at home or at work? And um, so uh, th this is needed for, for our sanctification. Um, and so let, let us examine ourselves and, and, and see if we have the mind of Christ. And um, how, do, how can we do this? How can we examine ourselves? Um, well, see if, uh, if things in your life are uh, going in, like in verses 1 through 4 in chapter 2, you can set those in question form. And you ask, am I living a life with selfish ambition or conceit? Or are you acting in lowliness of mind? Are you esteeming others as better than yourself? Are you someone who is looking out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others? Are you a grumbler or a complainer? And so if everyone, you know, if everyone in, in our church uh, pursued the Lord with uh, this kind of uh, effort and the, with the mind of Christ, as uh, the Apostle Paul tells us in chapter 2, we'll be uh, seeing churches and our church thriving, uh, churches that are healthy uh, in unity and churches that encourage one another uh, in the fellowship of the Spirit. And we'll be, we'll all be acting um uh, obediently as children of God with fear and trembling. And lastly, uh, to close uh, this morning, dear loved ones, uh, remember that you are, new, you are not doing this on your own. You are here uh, working out your salvation uh, in fear and trembling by the power of the Spirit that works within you. The Lord has saved us and He has equipped us with all things uh, to accomplish this great task that He requires of us. And so he helps us uh, to persevere as he perseveres with us. And, uh, and lastly, uh, fix your eyes on Christ. There's nothing more beautiful and better to say than fix your eyes on our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And uh, he humbled himself uh, obediently to the Father, doing his will, uh, even to the point of death, even death on the cross. So may the Lord help us to uh, um, be a people who are obedient to our Heavenly Father to, and to Him because we desire His glory above all things. And um, also because uh, we um, desire to see Christ formed in us and unto um, Him uh, be the glory. And so we pray to Him and we ask for His help at all times. Let us pray together. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we... Uh, Thank you for your word, and we pray, Father, that this word may be a reality in each one of our lives. And so we pray all these things in your holy name. Amen.